Back to left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Rebound. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. We're coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddledome on this Thursday edition of Flames Talk. This hour is underway with Wes of Post Media. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. And here we are, the final day before the trade deadline. The deadline is Friday, March 3rd. We're doing this on Thursday, March 2nd. So I uh, figure, Mr. Uh, Gilbertson, we should spend a good chunk of this hour talking about the trade deadline and the Calgary Flames at the trade deadline. And you know what? We may spend more time talking about the Flames trade deadline than Brad Living and his management group actually go about uh, making deals and negotiating things and such. I think we could be in for a quiet Friday when it comes to the Flames and, and their trade deadline, but same time, there's still a lot of intrigue as to what this group is going to do. The only team this season to have not made a trade, at least to this point. Yeah, it's sure starting to feel like, and I shouldn't even say starting to feel, I think it's been feeling this way for a while, but if you're expecting fireworks outside or inside the Saddle Dome tomorrow, I think you're coming to the wrong place. It's going to be a good concert. Old Dominion brings down the house, I hear. You know, Eric Francis has uh, Wilsey's got, has, for, Wilsey's got has forcibly uh, forcibly <laughs> taken me with him to an Old Dominion concert. We saw one in San Jose at a, a road game yeah. one time. Francis just loves music on the road. Does it? He, he, loves, concert, he yeah. loves Old Dominion. I, I'm sure if Eric Francis is, is listening, probably unlikely since he fancies himself a country music fan, even if he doesn't know any country music songs that came out before 2015 or so, I'm sure if he is listening... He's wishing we'd play Hotel Key or something of the such by Old Dominion next. Is he gonna? He's just gonna try to stick around at the dome on Friday, see if he can sneak his way into the show. Hey, you know it's not a bad call. He's been known to do that. And hey, nothing against Old Dominion, but uh, my appreciation for them does not stack up That's with fair. with franchises. So, want to dive in on a few fun topics on Old Dominion. <laughs> no, want to uh, want to dive in on a few fun topics on the trade deadline. Get the text line engaged at nine sixty nine sixty. Would love to hear from you as to where you're sitting, how you're feeling about the deadline, so on and so forth. You and I have been wet blankets when it comes to this trade deadline. The worst. And and but you know what? I think that we speak for a certain group of fans. Not everybody. I know there are still many people who want to see them do something. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. My opinion as to what they should do and what I want them to do as a broadcaster are very, very different. Like I would love them to trade away three first round picks and, and bring in a bunch of big names and and we'd have nothing but crazy stories to talk about. That's good for me and my job, but in terms of my opinion and what the Flames as a hockey organization, as a franchise should do. Yeah, you and I have been pretty much in lockstep in that trading away the high leverage assets, bringing in bringing in players that are just going to affect you right now or, 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 or try to help you right now. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, some of the deals that we've seen other teams that have eyes on going deep do. I just don't know if the Flames should be playing in that sandbox right now. I kind of feel, my, my feel all along has been... You're in 
Limboland as a team, you're kind of going through, well, you're not kind of, you're definitely going through a transition. You're on the outside looking in by a significant margin when you think about it with 21 games to go. You've got a large uphill climb if you want to get to the playoffs, but you also have a window that is more than just this season. So I kind of feel like they're in gray area right now, and I feel like if you're Brad Treliving, you've got an opportunity to maybe exploit that gray area. There's great prices being paid, so if somebody comes to you and there's a deal that is clearly going to make you better long-term, and that means trading away a roster player, then I think you have to you have to heavily consider it. And if there's a deal out there that helps you long-term for a player with term that you can fit, that you can see in your core, that is in a good age range, I think that you need to think about that as well. That's kind of the, the flexibility the Flames have the option of having right now because of their situation, because of the prices that are being paid right now. So I, I think that's the way the Flames should be looking at it, and I believe that is where the Flames are right now. They're kind of not writing off anything, and they're not saying no to anything as it stands right now. They're allowing themselves to live in that gray area. You and I have probably been having this conversation going on more than a month yep. now about – Hey, you know, I wouldn't be trading around away, sorry, a first round pick. I wouldn't be trading away a previous first round pick, meaning a, a Jacob Pelche or or a Connor Zari. I wouldn't be trading away a top prospect to get anything that would resemble a rental or something that is just going to give you that sort of short term push. And what hasn't changed in the month that you and I have been talking about that is the Flames' habit of winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, losing a game. There's been no traction yeah. in the standings that I think would change your mind. I I find it hard to believe, and I'm sure lots of people are, are listening, thinking the same thing. Like, how, how did we get here? How did we get from a team that came into the season with such high expectations internally and externally? How did we go from the best start in franchise history Five and one. Yep. To, to sitting here... 21 hours before the NHL trade deadline talking about the the possibility of strategic selling. Yep. Not a fire sale. This isn't the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, put an OBO next to anyone's name and, you know, take your pick, make sure you don't leave anyone on the roster. That's not what's happening here in Calgary. But if there was a player moved out tomorrow because it can potentially help you next year if it can something not too distant future that that this might give you a better shot at kind of capitalizing on the rest of your window that wouldn't surprise us and yep. and I did not see no, I us see, being here nope me neither uh even a month ago I don't know if I would have seen the flames being here and yet here we are the day before the trade deadline they're 5 points out of a playoff spot and and maybe by the end of Thursday they're as close as 3 who knows but they're they're going to remain at least a game out of the playoffs once the final day before the trade deadline hits they do not practice on Friday they do not play on Friday they play again against uh, Minnesota on Saturday okay so and I, I don't think they have done enough to go out and earn the type of deals they made last year to fully yarn croak those type of those type of moves. But I do think there's still a conversation to be had about, okay, if they were to go get somebody, if they were to bring in a player, and if they were to make an addition between now and 1 p.m. on Friday, who would that be? Or who would you realistically target? Knowing, and, and, and everybody's opinion... 
is different. Everybody's view on how the team should go about their business. For instance, you know, Derek's to my left, and, and he'll join us later on this hour on the roundtable. You know, one, one of his points has been the West, the Pacific, wide open. So maybe there's more reason to go out and make a deal um, even if the team hasn't quote-unquote given you those cues, right? Maybe the, the wide open nature, which it clearly is in the Western Conference, is, is a good enough reason to go and try to make some sort of splash. And I think there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of validity to that standpoint. There's a lot of validity to the standpoint that says, you know, this is their window. They've already made their decision. You've got to go all in. I don't know who you're going all in for at this point, but you've you got to go all in. Or there's the other side that says, no, this is not going to work. You've got to sell. You've got to sell. You've got to sell. It's got to be more than just strategic, you know, fire sale. There's all kinds of different ways of looking at things but for you and I realistically we'll engage the text line as well who would you is is there one player that you'd say yes that guy would make sense for kind of where I'm feeling or how I'm feeling and this this let's remind you this is wet blanket Wes and pessimistic Patrick pessimistic Pat. yeah I like that so <laughs> I I'm not expecting anything major but if just a few ideas, I suppose. If you if you had to make a trade tomorrow, and I still think if I can take one quick step backwards, I think the most likely scenario is a depth defenseman. Yeah. I just you know Oscar Fantenberg esque. Yeah. I just when you see that Luke Shen and, and and no disrespect to to Luke who could walk by any second, when you see that he fetched a third round pick, I just don't know. At what point the price for what you're upgrading makes any sense? You know, at this point, is is a Dmitry Kulikov even an upgrade on Dennis Gilbert? You know, does it help you to bring in uh, Justin Braun? I I just don't. Th- those names that you're talking about in the sort of bargain bin, blue line bin, I, yeah. I just don't have a ton of interest in. The one guy, since you are forcing me to eventually answer this question... <laughs> I don't think there's any chance that the Arizona Coyotes are trading this guy, except that I think the Arizona Coyotes will consider trading anybody. Yep. Lawson Krause is a guy who I've always had interest in. Just signed a contract extension. Not sure they'd move him, but I'm not sure got that... got four years left after yeah, this, right? But I'm not sure that Lawson Krause looks around that locker room, and, and despite having always probably dreamed of playing with... Jacob Voracek and Shea Weber and Brian Little and all these legends that have been collected in the desert, I'm not sure that he would necessarily want to stick around that much longer. He sees Jacob Chickren go out, out the door yesterday. I don't think it's realistic, but if I'm Brad Living, that's one guy that I'm making a call on. I, I just want to know what might be happening there. That's that's not a bad one. I, I don't mind Lawson Krause. He, he's young. He fits the age range. Um, he... I think you still would have to say goodbye to another member of your core in the offseason to, to fit him in, but... I don't think it would be as uh, it would be a little bit easier to make that work cap wise as opposed to somebody who you brought in in the six or seven million dollar sure. range. Bring somebody in the four million dollar range. It's it's a little bit easier. So I don't mind that one at all. Um, I, I think that's a, I think that's a, a really decent target, and and he kind of fits what we're talking about, right? He fits the whole idea of 
more than just this year. He fits the idea of a longer-term vision for the Flames. You don't bring in a guy with four years left on his contract at that age and and say to yourself, we're only bringing him in for right now. Right, and you probably don't trade a guy that you just extended that's on, I think, a relatively friendly deal that should be a part of your future, except you just traded Jacob Chikrin. So I don't know exactly what route your 15, 20-year plan in Arizona is meandering right now, but I think everyone's available. It's one guy I'd make a call on for sure. There's uh, a couple names for me, um, and, and you know what? I won't steal them, so I'll go. We can because you, you, Do you have one or more than one? No, you know. Did you dial in on just one? Because I, I dialed in on three. One of them is already gone. Well, so I and, and I said to you right before this, you know, the, the name that has kind of popped out to me over the past couple of weeks has been Tyler Bertuzzi. Boston. He, goes, now. he goes to Boston. I wouldn't necessarily have endorsed the Calgary Flames giving up a first rounder for him, and that's what he goes for ultimately. I know that a name just fell off your board a couple hours ago, so why don't you throw it a couple, and then I will throw it an ultimate bargain bin. Okay. 12.59 Mountain Time tomorrow. Okay. Um, so the guy that fell off my board, I was I was interested in, again, um, a bargain basement type uh, situation for Max Domi. I think that he would have been uh, a, decent, a decent guy to bring in if you could get him for somewhat – of an affordable price. Sure. Um, it sounds like it's going to be uh, a significant price, a second-round pick. See, I don't know if I would have done that. If you could have done it for a little bit less than that, yeah, have the conversation. The second-round pick for Domi that's still a little bit a little bit steep for a rental player when it comes to this team acquiring him. He's going to Dallas, it sounds like, as of right now. When, when I saw last night that Teddy Bluger went for a third. Yeah. I don't know what Vegas is doing. On like, that one. the... The price of depth, and, and good on the teams that are getting the value out of these players they are, but the price of depth right now, jeez, a third. And, and yeah, Max Domi would have, Max Domi is sort of like Tyler Bertuzzi in in the sense that here's a guy who can play with some, like plays with some snark, you know, brings some energy. But to give up that for a guy on the, an expiring contract, jeez. So here's uh, here's one that I don't that I do think that you would be able to bring in at a pretty cheap price because I think Toronto is in a situation where they see this player as the odd man out or as an odd man out, uh, and and they probably are looking at trying to, um, you know, they probably want to give themselves a little cap flexibility just in case something happens down the road, they get into emergency situations or whatever. Uh, it, it looks like Alex Kerfoot has uh, kind of turned into odd man out in Toronto. So Kerfoot's an interesting player to me. I don't think that, again, you'd have to be getting some pretty good value for a guy like that. Uh, but he's 28. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. Um, the only thing that would be a drawback of sorts is that he's a left shot forward but I think is a depth bottom six guy to give you a little bit more uh, you can flex him on the wing if need to or you could really 
bring him in to be uh, your number four center. Now all of a sudden you're looking at Kerfoot as your 4C, and now you have the ability to put Lewis on the left and Dewar on the right, and whatever the case may be, or, or Lucic can, can rotate in there as well. I just think Kerfoot for some depth, but again, it would have to be a cheap price. I don't know what Kyle Dubas in Toronto would be looking at. It sounds like he's the guy that they would be interested in moving out. So I don't mind him. Plays with some decent speed. Yeah, I was going to say, I like the wheels there too. Which... some good two-way ability. So I, I think he'd fit with the way this team plays anyway. Yeah, I, I think... And, and you're swimming in the pool that I think the Flames need to be swimming in. You know, we're looking... And when I say we, uh, you know, I, I'm... GM West. Yeah, and, G, uh, and, uh, GM West, Pat. if I'm running the Calgary Flames. I am the uh, special assistant to the acting general manager, Wes Gilbertson. So I'll just advise you. <laughs> I like it. You know, that's that's a great title. Who you got to be like looking that? for a bargain. Yeah. You got to be looking for a team that says, we, we need this off the books or... We got to get rid of this before the deadline hits. I, you know, I, I like the way Frank Saravalli put it. You want to be basically the last dog sniffing around the dog bowl. And you're the team that can say, hey, you haven't got rid of him yet. We'll take him. But just don't overpay. Yeah. And, and to go back in wet blanket mode, because I can't help myself, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense to be adding a depth piece at this point anyways, but that's not the purpose of the segment. I agree. It's like, is this something that I would be like, yeah, yeah, you have to go get Kerfoot? Right. No, probably not. Because I'll, I'll give you the other name I had on my list, and, and I really liked him actually when he was in Calgary a couple weeks or a few weeks ago, is, is Oscar Sunfist in Detroit. Depth guy, right-handed shot, Stanley Cup run with the St. Louis Blues a few years ago. Yeah. Gives you some flexibility in terms of can play on your fourth line. Quite frankly, can even sit. If you have an injury that you need a guy, he has enough skill to go in there. He has you know, some of the things that the Calgary Flames covet. A Swedish birth certificate. Good size. That's a guy that if he, if the Detroit Red Wings are just looking to cash that in on, on whatever sort of value they can get, Potentially, there's a bargain basement type pickup. I don't know that he changes the way the last 20 games on the schedule look, but I could see an acquisition like that tomorrow. Last name for me, and, and I don't mind that one at all, uh, on the Kerfoot front, by the way, uh, what might, uh, because I do know the Flames right now are also uh, interested in, in not just cap hit, Kerfoot's 3.5, but also actual money. Uh, Kerfoot's actual money is 2.7, his cap hit is 3.5, which uh, I think might make it a little bit more uh, palatable. Sure. As for Sunquist, he's uh, 2.75 cap hit, actual money 3, so it's not a huge offset. I don't think that would uh, throw them off. The, the final guy for me that I would be interested in, and this would be more of the long-term variety. This would be this would be more of um, a playing chess versus playing checkers type move. But we know that Nashville is open for business. It sounds like defenseman Dante Fabro is available. That's the type of guy that I'd be willing to now start getting into some of the higher leverage assets for. He's 24 years old. He has team control next year uh, at 2.4 million dollars on the cap. 
you could easily bring him in. He's a uh, right shot defenseman, and and I think there's a, still a lot there. Um, so so that's a player that I'd be interested in because you're bringing in a 24 year old at a position where there's still some development to be had. Um, he's not having the greatest year, but he had a pretty solid year last year, and I just think that there's uh, there's there's nice skating there. There's I, I still think some potential to be unlocked. If you could bring in a guy like that, it would kind of be like the the Jacob Chikrin light. Uh, I don't think it's got quite the same type of appeal as Chikrin did before he went to Ottawa, but Dante Fabro's one that you'd have team control on. He's not having a great year, so I don't think you're taking a, a, a look at a massive contract bump for him next year on his $2.4 million hit. We've talked a lot about this team's blue line. We've even talked a lot about what could there be some potential names in the offseason that they would be looking to move to kind of change the mix on this team. Well, bringing in a guy like Fabro would definitely help you change the mix. So I, I, I quite like that idea for the 24-year-old. You know, when uh, when you were shooting me ideas back and forth and you brought that one up, that that's one that I immediately looked at and said, you know what, that's a great idea. And I'll, I'll tell you, expanding on that, where I could see it is in a situation where you could potentially look at what we've been talking about, where you've got a, a, a few guys, you know, several guys who are up after next season that you might be able to strategically sell. Well, what if you moved one of those guys? Maybe you do move a veteran defenseman out the door tomorrow. Can you take some of the assets that you recoup in that trade and turn it into a Dante Fabro? I wouldn't want to use your first-round pick, for example, to go get Dante Fabro. But if suddenly you've got more than one and you can turn around and, and flip that, if you can get some assets for a, a guy who's currently on your blue line or, or maybe currently one of your forwards right. and turn those into a guy who can help you for several seasons moving forward, I'd certainly consider it. Yeah, that's that's also a, a really uh, that's that's a kind of pragmatic way of looking at it. If you if you're going to kind of reap the benefits of the right now acquisitions and the prices that are being paid, and then you can use some of those assets that you might be able to acquire and bring in a guy like Fabro. And maybe that's you know maybe Nashville doesn't move him. Maybe that's an off season type deal. But that's an interesting target for me uh, for the Flames because I think that he um, just with his skating and I, I just I think that there would be an interesting fit here for them. And again, that's more of a long term look. And I'd be a little bit more okay with parting with more of the high leverage assets if they were to give up, for instance, a twenty twenty four. Or first or a you know a first down the road maybe try to hold your 2023 but if you were to give up a first round pick down the road and something else for him I'd be a little less upset about that or a little less opposed to that because you're bringing in a 24 25 year old where you've got five six years fits of the profile of, exactly absolutely fits, and fits the fits the window fits the age range all of that so those are the guys that I I'm kind of most interested in. And the problem is at the deadline, those guys don't always move. Those are more off-season type moves. Not to say they don't move, not to say that it's it's set in stone, but there's less of those type moves around this time of year and more of the, hey, you're a 29-year-old veteran with a expiring contract. We're going we're gonna to shoot the moon to try to bring you in because we think you can help us win a Stanley Cup. Those are more of the moves that we're seeing, that we see at this time of year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the the Calgary Flames can't be making a move just for this year. Agreed. Agreed. Because 
right now they're five points out of the last wild card. I know you can say, well, they're they're not that far out of first in the division. Sure, but they kind of are now. Yeah, they're five points out of the last wild card. They've got another tough matchup tonight. Obviously, they'd help themselves out a ton by taking advantage of a Maple Leafs team that that is on the back half of of a swing through Alberta, and yet anything that would only help this year, especially when it involves moving out some of those high leverage assets you talk about, I just don't think they put themselves in position. And Michael Backlund said as much today. They have not put their GM in position to make those moves. Yep, 100%. Uh, okay, few texts, 960, 960 to wrap up before we hit the round table. Uh, this says uh, they have to do something by the deadline, something, anything, make a change somewhere. Everyone says don't trade for the sake of it. In their case, maybe trade for the sake of it. Uh, fair enough. This says what about bargain bin shopping, Connor Sherry in Washington? I don't mind that. Uh, he's 30, so again, he would. Uh, you'd have to be, it would be similar to a Kerfoot. It would be similar to a Sunquist where you'd have to be getting a really – like, you, you're not giving up a whole lot. But, yeah, there's a guy who's been deep before. There's a guy that uh, can still play in kind of your middle, bottom six. So that's that's not a bad that's not a bad target if the price is very reasonable. Yeah, feels like a better target in Washington than Sonny Milano. Uh, fair point. Um, this says you guys are still talking about acquiring. Wow, sell smart now and buy cheap in the offseason. Not that complicated. Zero assets going out. Flames aren't making the playoffs. Um We've talked about that a lot, random texter. Um, we've talked about selling a lot. I think, and I said it even earlier in the in this uh, in this hour. I fully believe that if there is something that is, you look at it and say that's that's a really good offer. I think you have to. I think you have to pull the trigger on it. You know, if you're if you're getting uh, a top sixty or a top thirty pick for somebody that you wouldn't be able to get that for in the off season. I think at the very least you have to hang up the phone and say I'll call you right back and and, and heavily think about it. Okay, so I know we're pins for time, but yeah. let, let's put our be as brief as possible pants on really quick. Who's the guy, in your opinion, other teams are phoning about? Zadorov. All day. I think it's Zadorov. I think his size. I think his skating. Uh, I think his contract, which is very reasonable. And, and I think the teams look at him, meanness, edge, um, third pairing puck mover. Um, I, I think that that they look at him, and even going back to what he's done in the playoffs before. Don't uh, don't think that his postseason performances, uh, especially in those couple of years with Colorado, hasn't made an impact on on general managers as well. And I think if you were to find the guy that you'd get that you'd maximize value the most for. Maybe you don't. Like, yeah, you'd get more for Lindholm than you would for Zadorov, of course, but in commensurate to who they are, I think that Zadorov is the guy that you maximize most on. The guy for me is Tyler Toffoli. Yep. And I, I, I know that, that that's a guy that you're going to need if you're going to make the playoffs, but you know, I, I did a little sorting on NHL.com, and this stat really jumped out to me. There are only 13 right-handed shots in the league with more goals than Tyler Toffoli's 25 this year. The rest of them aren't moving tomorrow. And I don't think that Tyler Toffoli's moving, but if I'm a contender, chances are I'm looking for another guy who can score off the right side. You're not gambling on a guy who's having a down year. In fact, the exact opposite. You've got team control for another year. You have a, a very friendly salary at $4.25 million. I think there's multiple guys that have value, but he tops the list for me. Uh, 
couple of other names. Uh, somebody suggesting go get Henrik and Klingberg, and they were suggesting giving up a first. I'm completely against that. Um, somebody else suggesting Clayton Keller out of Arizona. I don't know what the plan is for the Coyotes. I think everybody is available. Uh, somebody I, else suggesting without, Schmaltz. Yeah, without having an LTIR contract to trade them, would they be interested? That's a good point. Can you not play for us? Then we're not interested. Um, somebody suggests Pareko. Somebody suggests Tom Wilson. Uh, somebody suggested Johnny Gaudreau. Don't think that's going to happen. Sam Reinhart in Florida. Um, so there's a few of the other names that have been thrown out there when it comes to going and get. Look, I don't think they should be. Uh, Wedley says I'd trade both Pat and West to 660 News for uh, Staff and Cronwall, uh, a hockey card and a mug. Futures. Good trade. That was actually offered. That's a good trade for That for was offered us. to 660, and they turned it down. As they should. Uh, okay. Uh, and look, if I, I think selling needs to be just as much of a consideration as potentially buying is at this year's trade deadline. Again, it just has to be whatever move they make. If it's going to be of a larger variety, it can't be just for this year. Pat, Wes, uh, as we continue along, this hour is underway and our trade deadline coverage on Friday will be brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975, dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Brought to you, as always, by our friends at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary Airport, from the Scotiabank Saddledome at Steinberg, West Gilbertson of Post Media, and the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. This hour, uh, all-trade deadline. Last chance. This is the last day before the deadline. Our next Daily Flames Roundtable will be talking about other things. Uh, We'll be looking back on how the deadline went for the Flames. Gents, on this Thursday, what type of deal, if any, whether it's a specific player or a type of deal, what type of deal are you making if you're Brad Living? Well, I hate to sound like a broken record, but uh, my opinion has not changed. Top six. Right shot, right winger is my number one priority. And I'd still like to see them add a depth defenseman, even if it's a number seven guy, because I don't have an issue with their top six right now. Dennis Gilbert has been pretty impressive. But if they were to get one injury, now I think they have a problem. So uh, I've got four forwards for you to throw out there. Uh, One is a name I've thrown out there quite often, Brock Besser. Uh, Right shot, right winger. In the first year of a three-year deal, 6.65 AAV, uh, 11 goals and 38 points in 52 games. I've also got one of his teammates. First time I've thrown this name out there. Right shot, right winger. With some speed, Connor Garland. Second year of a five-year deal, pays $4.95 million. AAV, 
12 goals, 33 points in 59 games. A uh, name you guys just brought up before the break, Coyotes' Nick Schmaltz. Can play center, can play right wing, right shot, fourth year of a seven-year deal, 5.85 AAV. He's having an unbelievable season, 18 goals and 42 points in 45 games for a bad team. And last but not least, now that he's finally playing again, is the Panthers' Anthony Duclair. Now, he's not a right winger or a right shot, but has played on a line and played well on a line with Jonathan Huberto. Uh, second year of a three-year deal, uh, $3 million cap hit, so that's easy to swallow. And he's got two points in two games this year. So now that he's back and playing and uh, I assume healthy again, uh, I would add him to my list. And as far as a depth defenseman goes, there are plenty of them out there, and I think you could get one for next to nothing. But one guy who kind of stands out to me is uh, the Blues' Robert Bortuzzo. Right shot, uh, first year of a two-year deal, uh, 950 K AAV 64216 can kind of play that big physical role uh kind of like Eric Branson did last season um if you were to lose uh, a left shot guy you can move your pairings around right now if you wanted to push Dennis Gilbert out I don't know why you would but put him in have Nikita Zadorov on the left side of that third pairing so there's five names for me um I don't know what you guys think of those names that I just threw out but uh all would be of interest at the right price. I think it's definitely worth a call on Anthony Duclair. I don't know with the Florida Panthers being in the same situation essentially as, yeah, the, three Cal- points as out. the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I don't know if they make that deal, although they could certainly look and say, hey, we're in this situation without Anthony Duclair. He's a guy that we've only had back in our lineup for the, the past couple of games. And so... I think the history with Jonathan Huberto makes that absolutely worth a call. Wouldn't be willing to pay a ton, but if that's a guy who can help kickstart Jonathan Huberto, I'd be in on that one. And let me just quickly interject. Yes, the Panthers are in a similar position to the Flames as far as being on the outside looking in, but they're also in the toughest division in the sport, the Atlantic division. I mean, where you've got the Bruins, Maple Leafs, and Lightning, and good luck. Yeah, that's a pretty good. That's pretty stacked, eh? Yep. yep. We were talking about that this morning. That uh, no offense to what's going to happen in the Western Conference in the playoffs, but there are not going to be many first round games in whatever two three in the Atlantic is. <laughs> I shouldn't say whatever. It's going to be Tampa, Toronto. Yeah. I'm not missing many of those. And yep. and you know what? I like Bortuzzo as well. That's a. I like the Gabranson comparison. I think you're bang on. He's a guy who can play mean. He's a guy who can play steady. And yet, for every reason that, that you know, sandpaper he brings, the fact that he's played a bunch of playoff games, the fact that the contract is really low, mm-hmm. those are the guys that a lot of teams phone about tomorrow. And the only thing I would worry about there is price. Because they're... If Robert Bertuzzo is a guy that they say make us an offer, there's probably a lot of teams that are going to put one in. So the guy that you the of the names that you threw out, the guy that's most interesting to me is Schmaltz. I just uh, I worry about the real money. I know that the the Flames are cap concerned and also budget concerned. And Schmaltz's money is crazy the next three years. He's got a 5.85 cap hit, 
but his actual money the next three years, seven five eight four five eight five, and wow. just I, I think that would because I think player wise, cap hit wise, um, there'd be some interest. Dollar figure like actual money being paid, I think that might back the Flames off a little bit. Um, so that one I I like, but I'm skeptical would actually happen. Um, what about and, Garland? Weren't they interested in him when he was with the Coyotes? We, I think that he had been at the very least. We've thrown that around before. Yeah. He's he's having a not so great year in in Vancouver, but um, I think there's still something there. I don't think that he's been what they hoped in Vancouver, but I also don't know how many people have because of such a disaster that's been with the Canucks. So I don't mind Garland either. Just two two points. One, you yeah. know, for starters. Pat, one of the joys of talk radio is that armchair GMs don't have to worry about the real money. We just spend everyone else's. Absolutely. So it's fun. So Best at it. So thanks for nothing there. <laughs> you call me a wet blanket. Now, jeez. Anyway. <laughs> you see the actual money. I, <laughs> Connor Garland's an intriguing player, but I am not, if I'm sitting in the big chair at the Saddle Dome, helping – the Vancouver Canucks out of the salary cap jail that they've put themselves in. It's fair. It is kind of fun watching them twist themselves in knots I just, continually. Yeah. I just don't think as, as a Pacific Division rival that you want to you wanna help them out of that mess. The tight, honestly, if, if I, you know, if, if we're doing like you have to make this deal or you have to make one, what to, I think that my preference would be to leverage one guy that's on your roster and see if you can't nail this market and see if you can't hit a home run with the type of return. The type of return that we're saying, holy cow, they got what for that player? And and then see what you can do with that in the offseason. Because I do think the Flames should be and will be looking to stay competitive next year. I don't think that this year has turned them into, nope, we're uh, blowing this whole thing up and, and we're starting from scratch. Of course not. Not with the contracts that they have. But I think if they can get some assets, kind of if you can strike when, when the dollar's hot, like right now, and then strike again when you get all that return when the dollar's hot and then go into a market where the dollar's low in the offseason, I think that you can really improve your team and do so really quickly. That whole idea of retooling on the fly, exploit this market and then exploit the market in the summertime, which I think will be softer in terms of the prices being paid. So if you can do that and if you can get something really good for a Zadorov or for a Toffoli or for a, I don't want to those those guys are just the two that I think would garner the most interest. But I think Hannafin would. I think, you know, there's been Elliott's thrown out Lindholm and Backlund's name in connection to Carolina in recent times. Whoever it would be, if you could get one guy to get you that return where you exploit the market, I don't think it'll be the difference between them missing or making the playoffs. But what it could be the difference in is giving you the tools you need to really go out and improve this offseason. Unless someone was willing to pay me a price that was so absurd that I just simply couldn't turn the deal down, I can't trade Tyler Toffoli, guys. How long have they been looking for a right shot, right winger that can score? It feels like forever. Troy Brower, James Neal, he's finally the guy they've been looking for. I, I can't trade him. I need another right shot, right winger. So he would be right near the bottom of my list. I understand where you're coming from with Nikita Zadorov, and if you think you're going to get Oliver Shillington back next season, well, both guys are left shot defensemen. So 
<laughs> you're going to have to move someone or uh, play someone on their weak side. You're going to have to make it work somehow next season. So that's one I would consider. But again, the price would have to be really high because this is a team that's five points out of a playoff spot and with a win get, tonight will be three. What so, if you could get a first for him? And then could use that first in the off season to really yeah it would be hit tempting run. it would be tempting the problem is you're still in a fight for a playoff spot right now and Daryl Sutter said yesterday that uh, you know this team could win 21 straight games to wrap up the regular season I don't think anybody's betting their house on that but uh, his point is these guys are very competitive as we saw against the best team in the league on Tuesday night so if you take Zador out out of your lineup who do you insert I guess the easy answer would be Connor Mackey but the coaching staff is showing no confidence in him this season so now with that said maybe there would be a corresponding move to bring in someone to play on your third pairing right you, is, you, it, you can move Gilbert back to the left and you could bring in Bortuzzo in to play on the right isn't it okay to punt on this season and and just not, say not not yet not for me well and I the and one I'm not thing saying, I, I'm not saying punt and say no no we're not but just say you know what we're gonna make a a, a, a move or two that's pragmatic yeah it takes away from our roster right now probably it doesn't make us better probably makes us a little less good but we'll still see if this group can get into the playoffs and and if they if they don't if they do whatever but you're taking a little bit of a longer or bigger picture look at still remaining competitive while not putting all your eggs in this season and saying, you know, this season's good. We don't want to completely give up on this season, but we can't We can't turn down this market. We can't not put ourselves – even Seattle, there's talk about them trading away players because this market is so good and you can get such good return for guys that you probably would not be getting at any other time. That's, that's the only reason I suggest the, it. The reason that I endorse what you're talking about is that the standings – as of today, and, and the standings for most of this season, the fact that this team has not won more than three games in a row, and that was quite a ways in the rearview mirror. Everything that we're looking at tells us that this has been a mediocre hockey team. And while we didn't expect them to be a mediocre hockey team, a sort of refusal to try to cash in a couple of parts, I think keeps you mediocre. It's going to be a really difficult decision for Brad Treliving and his cohorts tomorrow, but if you get a good offer for a Tyler Toffoli, yeah, take makes your first line worse. Makes your top power play worse, automatically. If you get a good offer for Chris Tanev, it makes your locker room worse. Makes your penalty kill worse. Makes your shutdown pairing worse. But if you get an offer that is going to help you maximize down the road, you have to think about it. Otherwise, you're on the hamster wheel. Yeah. I wish the trade deadline was next Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. After the Minnesota game. Yeah, because you've got uh, a game against a, a non-conference opponent, the Maple Leafs, tonight. But if you beat them, you'd be on a high. It would be maybe your biggest win so far this season. And then you play the Wild, the Stars, and the Wild. Three teams you're trying to track down in the Western Conference standings. And then you got a couple of days off before you play a Ducks team that you should beat. So <laughs> we're going to have a much better idea next Wednesday or after next Tuesday's game, where these guys are at. Are they right back in it, or are they completely out of it? But unfortunately, the Flames don't have that luxury. They've got to make uh, decisions by 1 p.m. Mountain Time tomorrow. I'm still not in cell mode. Doesn't mean I'm hanging up the phone on anybody, but uh, I'm also not picking up the phone trying to wheel all of my players. Uh, even though the Flames and, and Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick have talked a lot about it on their show this week, 
Flames have a lot of really good players who have one year left on their deal. Yep. And for teams that are in their window to win, if you're going to pay a substantial price for one of those guys, you're getting them for not one playoff run, but two. So there's yep. there's value in that for those teams. Th- this is what makes tomorrow, <clears throat> excuse me, this is what makes tomorrow so fascinating because you're not wrong on either side of the table. If you think that the Flames should look at, at parceling out a couple pieces because it's going to help down the road, I absolutely don't blame you. It's where I've gotten closer and closer to being in the in the past week or so. If you think that they need to go get an impact guy because that might be the difference between winning those crucial games against Minnesota and climbing in, and then, as you keep saying, who knows what happens in the Western Conference, you're not wrong about that either. It's what makes tomorrow so fascinating yeah, is you could make a really strong case for the Flames to go either direction. Yeah. Yep. And I honestly have no idea what they're going to do. No, I don't know. And uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, I think, Logan, I asked you about it. The Flames are one of two teams in the league that is yet to make a trade. It's the Flames and the Panthers. Wouldn't it be ironic if the two teams made a trade with each other, especially after the big one they made last summer? It's our Daily Flames roundtable. One question. Wow. Well, it was a good one. It was was a a good one. It was a big one. That was good. Uh, He's Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Daily Flames roundtable is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. As we continue along on this hour of Flames Talk, uh, Wes and Pat with you here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. It's time for your... uh, beautiful sign. It's time for our uh, Flames Talk Best Bets on a Thursday to wrap up this hour. Flames Talk Best Bets brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. So we went one and one with our best bets on Wednesday. That brings us to four and three on the week. We did not get Alex Ovechkin. We did get Jason Robertson on their overs. So Robertson went over three and a half shots and Ovechkin did not go over four and a four and a half shots. For Thursday, I've got two for you. I'm going William Nylander of the Maple Leafs against the Flames. I'm going Nylander over half a point just because he was minus three against the Oilers on on Wednesday. He's historically played really well against the Flames. Um, So I think you have to look at William Nylander to pick up a point even though it's on the second half of back-to-back. So Nylander over half a point and uh, I'll go Steven Stamkos over two and a half shots for the Lightning when they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So a couple for you on a Thursday. Nylander over half a point. Stamkos over two and a half shots versus Pittsburgh. And that'll wrap us up this hour, Wes. Would you have felt so good about Stamkos over two and a half if they still had Teddy Bluger? Oh, no. You take Bluger out of that lineup. uh, Just it's a completely different conversation now. So I think I'd go over on everybody on the Tampa Bay Lightning. (laughs) Bluger out of there. And now, I don't know how you beat Vegas. No. The Vegas Bluger Knights. Like, they're just, they're too good. I, don't, I, do, I do not get Poor the Theodore. price they paid from Latvia, which is still the one of the crazier. You're from where? You're from Riga, Latvia? He is. Uh, that'll do it. Uh, Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Our producers, uh, Taylor and John, back at the studio. And that'll do it for our Flamestock Best Bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.